recurve buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't even, oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. And and uh, and M and M and, and peanut butter M Ms, which I have no problem with the peanut butter M Ms. Uh, the I'm sorry, who picked those? I did. You did. Who did? Humble. You did. You you picked honey barbecue Fritos twists over chili cheese Fritos. So they were literally right next to each other. And I that, really do like the chili cheese ones, but I was like, man, I haven't had these in a long time. I'm going to get those. There, There is no reason ever that you ever pick those over <laughs> chili cheese Fritos. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates, joined by my other host, Chris Leppert. And we're joined tonight by the person who, gosh, man, Josh, you you are just like grinding my gears here. Grinding <laughs> my gears. That? And we are joined tonight by the owner of Saddie's uh, Fatties, the, the, the shells that we all use during turkey season, Aaron Satterfield. Aaron, how are you tonight? I'm sorry to pull you into this. I'm so I'm doing good. This concussive <laughs> argument. <laughs> So uh, for, for our listeners, just so we're clear about this, um, Chris and Josh are going on a road trip tomorrow and they sent a picture of the road trip snacks that they, that they are going to, that they selected. Okay. So um, first off, they did not send a picture. Chris was Josh, a my bad. clean. We're not a couple, even though Josh literally. Josh likes to, to think so. Bro, he oh, literally, as we're filling out our fucking, oh, I said the F word. <laughs> is filling Two out, minutes into it. Yeah. We're filling out the info for our website, and he puts Chris Luck. And I'm like, dude, first off, I would not be the wife. Second, I'm not gay. What the hell? So, to be fair, we had. We had a few drinks too before we started this process. So, so now we're learning what Josh really after in life. So, so, so I, 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 I want to get this out of the way right now. You're dr like you know you have a two to three hour drive somewhere. Oh no! No, you're 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 interrupting. You're interrupting oh, okay. my hypothetical here. <laughs> Go ahead. You have a two to three hour drive somewhere. You are allowed to pick one snack. And one drink. What is it? My drink is always water. Um, as far as a snack, it's two to three hours. I usually don't take one. Um, I I typically take a uh, Cool Mint Cliff Bar. Chris, uh, for a two to three hour drive. Just a road trip in general. I'm sorry. Road a trip? road trip in general where okay. you are going to end and it doesn't take an overnight to get there. Let's let's say that. And you're not <laughs> going to be stopping for dinner or lunch. Water, Twizzlers, peanut, M&M's. Uh, Pringles. And Pringles for the most part. Aaron? Uh, water. 
uh, water jerky. Mm, okay. Jerky is a good one. Yeah. So I did. I I did Mountain, for jerks. Mountain <laughs> Dew. Mountain Dew and jerky. Mountain that Dew. is Mountain Dew and jerky. That is the correct answer, Josh Luck. Not cool mint. <laughs> so I I did look for jerky, and it's just at a local Walgreens. They had a horrid selection of jerky. So I was like, well, I can't get any of this garbage. So Rick picks Mountain Dew and jerky. That sounds like every person you despise. It does, doesn't it? You but sound you know. like a mountain <laughs> William right now. <laughs> it does. Um, so the way I've decided on this is I had a two hour drive back from Moorhead state. Whenever I went back home, whenever I stopped at the Sunoco on the way out of town, uh, they had a big selection of jerky and then they had the Mountain Dew sitting right next to it. I would grab that and that always satiated any need that I had all the way back. Satiated. I don't, yep. I, I, I don't, I don't like feeling too full on a road trip. I don't like, I don't like uh, water because I feel like I need to stop and use the bathroom. With whereas with the Mountain Dew, it's just caffeine and pure sugar, and you just can keep trucking. Wait a minute, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How does mind. caffeine not make you feel like you have to urinate? Because it doesn't. Wow, that that's the only thing. I drink coffee all day long, and I, I can tell you right now, as soon as the first drink goes down, t minus one hour, I'm stopping. Yeah. Well, well, there's there's a little bit of an age difference, but. Wow, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Didn't you see him running up those hills like a like a valiant little steed? Yeah, I know. Was, like are you talking about me or Aaron? You. Oh. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Running up hills. I was trying to break in the boot. They did well. I wanted to test them. I was did trying to guys, break my knees. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys see how fast I ran up that knoll there? It was so fast. It was way faster than the guys that are 10 and 20 years older than See, me. See, he is like a kid. Look look at my new shoes. They make me run fast. <laughs> look what I can do. The PF Flyers. They can guarantee right. to make you run faster and jump higher. I felt like Benny the Jet Rodriguez out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. You looked like Benny the Jet Rodriguez. I'm trying to look for antlers, and Josh is like, Handing me a fucking baton, like <laughs> we've got to win. <laughs> That's the second F word. I am. I was one drink deep before we even started drinking. So we were ten ten minutes into the scouting trip, and Chris had to say it for the first time. Uh, you guys might want to slow down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, it's like Florida outside right now, sunnier than hell. We're not just going to pick these things up. Can we please look at stuff? Oh, man. So, uh, we are here to talk all things inappropriate ammo. Um, yes. Aaron is going big and not going home. He is uh, going to start basically kind of going, well, I didn't see what you just held up there. What was that? It was big and black. Uh, <laughs> Black Max. Black Max. All right. Is that Jens? Yeah, don't tell her. <laughs> um, I think Aaron's going to go. You, you thinking about doing full time with the ammo and gun work and all that? You know, if, if uh, it'd be a dream if it, if it came to that, it really would. Uh, you know, it's something 
as something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, it's something that I, you know, I've always wanted to get that deep back into it. Uh, you know, uh, since I, since I moved back from Oklahoma, I would, that'd be a good problem to have. It really would, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to find out whether or not it, I can do that or sustain it until I take the leap. So here we are. Mm-hmm. Well, we're no. going to sustain that bitch. Aaron, you've been on the podcast one other time or two other times. Yeah, we were running a close race at first, and then you know, I yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Josh it's, decided it's, to put himself in every podcast after that. Right, right. <laughs> he said, "I gotta beat Aaron on this." Yeah. It's but, the Josh Luck show. <laughs> my point being, it's been a while. So do we do we want to give the listeners like a, a like your background as far as like you know what got you into the uh, ammo and gunsmithing, all that, and kind of like your your work background in that, and yeah. then kind of what you do currently, and then how that's going to play into your business and that. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm originally, you guys know, I'm originally from West Virginia. Uh, growing up, uh, my grandfather owned a gun shop, uh, Sadie's Gun Shop. Um, kind of grew up behind the counter of, of his gun shop. Um, you know, wasn't wasn't like I was there every day and I was an employee, but, you know, looking, looking back, it was one, it's one of those things where, you know, now that he's gone and now that the shop is gone, I wish I would have spent more time doing it. You know, I wish I would have picked his brain more, uh, you know, but ultimately my goal, uh, you know, growing up over the years was, is whenever my grandfather was ready to hang up you know, or, you know, retire, hang, hang it up. I, he, he retired from the power company, but that was kind of like his secondary thing. And, um, but whenever he was ready to give it up, all that was my dream was to take over his gun shop. Um, I lived out in Oklahoma for 10 years. I worked in the print industry for about 16 years. And while I was in Oklahoma, that's whenever he fell ill and eventually passed away. And he, at the time, uh, you know, some of you probably don't know, you know, like with the ATF and with running a firearms business, uh, there, there was a law that came into effect. I believe it was in the early 90s, so don't quote me on that, but I think it was in the early 90s that – you could not run a firearms business out of your home. Uh, it had to be a, it has to be a separate building. And he was grandfathered into it because he had, he, you know, he had all, he was already running a business out of his, out of his house. And so knowing whenever he passed away that we was going to have to find a different, you know, building, a separate shop and stuff like that. Uh, my dad didn't want to pursue it. You know, uh, I I don't know if he thought that it was going to be more than what he could bite off. And with me being halfway across the U.S. and Oklahoma, uh, we decided to not look into it, you know, or, you know, give it up. And everything was auctioned off and, the you know, the business closed. And that was a big realization for me because whenever I was out in Oklahoma, that was, that was a dream of mine. And I kind of felt like a dream, you know, died. And... You know, there were to me there was a lot of I feel that there was a lot of divine intervention uh, in that because whenever that happened, I, I realized that you know my goal and my dream wasn't you know was no longer and 
no lie, completely out of the blue. It wasn't even like I was looking or anything. Some way, somehow, I had stumbled across information on Mid-America Tech School and uh, out in Oklahoma, and it was about gunsmithing-specific classes, uh, general gun repair, uh, gunsmithing machine shop. Uh, you know, so machine shop classes specific to gunsmithing. Uh, and I'm like, I, one, I'd never even knew that that was an option or an opportunity. And I'm like, secondly, I found out that the, you know, that the tech school was only about 20 minutes away from my house. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I was like, you know, I'd never had the opportunity besides, you know, general gunsmithing things uh, to be able to get really in depth into the machine shop aspects of it. So I decided, you know, talk to, you know, talk to Jim, my wife about it. And she said, you know what, you ought to, you ought to do this. Mm-hmm. And I happened to go to uh, Mid-America Tech School and I, uh, I took a couple of those classes and, uh, you know, general gun repair and uh, the gunsmithing machine shop class. And I would, I'll never forget the first time that I walked into, walked into the gunsmithing machine shop class, you know. I'd never been behind a mill or a lathe or anything, never even had the opportunity to turn one of those machines on. And I walked in there and there was, there was probably, I think there was only like nine or 10 guys that was in there. And little by little, these guys started to walk in older guys, retired guys. And literally one guy walked in, you know, I mean, I'm not knocking on him, but one guy walked in, you know, you know, with air, with an air tank, you know, Mm -hmm. on, on wheels and, you know, and they, they all sat down and next thing I know, the instructor, the instructor knew all of those guys and started talking to them and said, Hey, you know, Hey, you guys got your projects and everything. And, you know, those guys were like, yeah. And he's like, well, there's the shop, go have at it. And they all got up and I'm, I'm thinking, holy shit, I'm over my head. Uh, I have, you know, so I raised my hand. I'm only, I'm the only guy still sitting in the classroom and he looks at me and he's like, yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know if I signed up for the wrong class. I'm like, but I've never even been in front of one of these machines before. And uh, come to find out the the instructor was only a couple years older than me. And uh, right. he told me, he goes, well, he goes, you know what? Those guys that are out there in the shop right now, he goes, have more experience than we've been alive. He goes, I highly suggest you go out there and just shadow them for now. So that's, that's what I did. Went out there, shadowed them, you know asked questions whenever I could and eventually reached reached a point you know to where those guys they said look the only way that you're going to learn this shit is to get behind a machine and do it so go fire one up and start start making chips and um, my first project uh, my first project was a gun barrel Uh, made a uh, 338 gun barrel Uh, had to figure out the contour and the taper of it uh, how to run the taper on a machine uh, how to contour it up into a you know into the uh, the chamber, how to thread uh, you know trial by error. And uh, the other thing too was is you know that they they made it clear they're like, look, you're always going to need tools, and it's cheaper to build them than to buy them. So start making your own uh, your own tools that you're going to need for gunsmithing. So started making tools as well. And, uh, yeah. And it, you know, and it, I mean, it, it, it was neat. I mean, I've never been out of my comfort comfort zone like that. You know I mean? It's like, man, I've never, I, I've never done any of this and, you know, they're expecting me to make this stuff. 
but it was really neat. Come to find out uh, at the end of the class, uh, the instructor, he is a custom rifle maker in Oklahoma and uh, Mercer Gunworks. And he invited me uh, at the end of schooling. He invited me. He said, hey, he goes, you know, I really think you have a lot of potential. He goes, would you be interested in apprenticing with me? And I was, yeah, sure. I mean, hey, if if anybody's willing to give up, you know, knowledge and information, I'll take it. Um, you guys probably know this, but whenever I was in the print industry, I was on call 24-7, 365. Everything mm-hmm. dictated my schedule but me. And any spare time that I had, and he lived over an hour away, any spare time that I had, I was down at his gun shop. And we were, you know, we have a two-person assembly line. He had contracts with uh, companies and stuff. Uh, we, man, we, we would just pound work out, you know, and little by little, I mean, I, you know, I, I just started to learn the ropes and stuff. And I, I actually did that for almost three years. And, um, eventually reached reached a point to where you know i mean my my strength and my background is general gun repair uh i really love you know i i don't know i i love working on a blue collar gun you know uh one of the things that i've you know that i've noticed in the industry and over the years there's you there's a lot of gunsmiths that don't like taking on that type of work you know, I mean, you're looking at a hundred, hundred and fifty dollar gun or a gun that's not even worth that. You know, a Sears and Roebuck, you know, you know, single shot bolt action twenty two, that means more to the person that has it than what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And all they want is it to function correctly. You know, I love working on that type of stuff. You know, I mean, it it's it's not about the money. It's it's about you know it's it's a family heirloom or it 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 means that much to that person. And I I don't care what the price tag is on the gun. I want it to function for them. And that's that's what I enjoy doing. And um, after after a few years uh, apprenticing with him, uh, he finally pulled me out of my comfort level again. He said, "Hey." Um, Come to find out, you know, as I got to know him, he's the director of the professional gunsmithing school at Murray State College in Tishomingo, Oklahoma. And he eventually said, hey, I think you'd be a really good teacher. And he goes, why don't you look into coming down and being an adjunct instructor at the college? And once again, here we go with the comfort level. I'm like, okay. Uh, So... They hired me on and, you know, in between being on call 24-7, 365, I would take every Wednesday off and I would travel two and a half hours to Murray State College and I'd teach from eight to five on every Wednesday and taught uh, general uh, general gun repair, uh, intro to AutoCAD, intro to CNC machining uh, and all of that. You know, I, I give credit to uh, his name is Chad, Chad Mercer. Uh, that guy has an unbelievable amount of knowledge to firearms. Uh, only a couple years older than me, and I tell you what, there's not many there's not many questions that he can't answer. You know, so I mean, I, I give kudos to him, uh, and I can attest that the that the gunsmithing program at Murray State College is is very very good. Um, but yeah, started uh, started teaching that, and I did that. Uh, I taught for about almost almost three years. Uh, at the college and 
eventually, I think it was, yeah, it was in 2014. Um, I had, I was given the opportunity to, I started looking around at other jobs, being on call 24 seven, um, you know, and still working one less day a week, being salary, you know, averaging at least no less than 60 hours a week. Uh, there was many, uh, you know, Jen and the kids would go days without seeing me. And, uh, I knew, I knew it was time for a change. You know, I mean, it's, it's not giving up the family, you know, mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a job and, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I work to live. I don't live to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I ended up, um, uh, interviewing for a job to be able to come back, uh, closer to West Virginia. As a, as a matter of fact, uh, it was a job that was in West Virginia, uh, the same company that I'm with right now, uh, that I've been with for almost 10 years, but, you know, kids weren't getting any younger and neither were the family, you know, and in, you know, in 10 years of being out there, I only, you know, my parents, uh, and family had only come out two times, uh, to visit, you know, 19 hours away, you know, it's, it's not an easy trip. And, Unfortunately, at at the exact same time, uh, whenever I accepted that position, I was offered a full time position to teach at Murray State College. So I had to make the decision whether or not to become a full time teacher at the gunsmithing school or to get my family back closer to family. And you know, family first. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I knew that I knew that you know, gunsmithing is something that I could do anywhere. And it was up to me to you know, move the family back home, be back close to the family. So my kids knew family and, you know, pick up kind of where I left off. So uh, ironically, the funny thing is, is I only lasted in West Virginia for a year until they asked me to move to their corporate office in Ohio. <laughs> so <laughs> I was only in West Virginia for a year. Uh, I actually moved back to the uh, uh, to the town that I grew up in. And, uh, I was there for one year and then I moved away, uh, moved to where I'm at now. So, but the cool thing about it is, is, you know, you know, I've always considered myself a hobbyist, a hobby gunsmith, uh, you know, because I've never taken the step to be able to do this full time. Uh, the fortunate thing, whenever I was, you know, at Murray state, you know, we had the opportunity, you know, we were you're deeply involved in the industry, you know, I mean, the, uh, to be able to get into the gunsmithing program, it's by interview and interview only. And Mm. yeah. And you, you have to go through an interview process and you literally pick, you know, 20 to 25 students a year, uh, to attend the program. Wow. Wow. Uh, those, those pro, uh, you know, once you're in the program, uh, that program, those, the gunsmiths, the guys that, uh, that graduate from the gunsmithing program, they're the ones that go and work for Smith and Wesson performance center. They're the custom gunsmiths, you know, uh, you know, they, they work for the department of defense. Uh, you know, those, those are the guys that you see that work at these elite shops. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've always considered myself very fortunate to be, you know, to be part of that. Um, I still keep in contact with quite a few of my gunsmithing students, you know, from over the years, talented guys, very, very talented guys. You know, I mean, a couple of them are professional engravers. Uh, so all of the, you know, all of the engraving and stuff, all of the very intricate engraving and stuff that you see on high end shotguns, 
uh, stuff like that, you know, they do that by hand. Well, um, you know, it's not done by a machine. It's done by hand. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to keep in touch with them. I I still connect with the gunsmithing school, you know, at the NRA shows. Uh, I still, you know, the good thing is, is with getting back into the industry and me technically getting back into the industry and doing what I'm doing now, you know, I can network a lot more, you know, with, you know, some of the old contacts and stuff that, I, that I've had in the past uh, that I still keep in contact with. And that, that's what I'm really looking forward to. I really miss being that deeply involved in the industry. So. Well, all right. That was a. Hell of a background story. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your social security number? So, <laughs> just to kind of give everybody, I don't know, a little more background, if you will. We added Aaron to our team in 20, would that have been 2018? It was 20, yeah, yeah it was 2018. Yeah. So we added Aaron because he's an absolute stud of a Western hunter. He's killed, I don't know how many elk and mule deer. And then, of course, he's killed some nice white tails as well. And we get this dude and he tells us that he can draw and mess around with logos. And we're like, oh, cool. You know, that's useful. And he's like, oh, by the way. I'm a gunsmith. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? And then we find out that he can reload and do all these things. And um, I want to say the first time I ever used your ammo was the spring of 2020. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. My first bird on film, which happened to be my best bird ever. And then that was during COVID. And uh, I killed another bird that year. We kind of discovered the whole TSS thing together. And Aaron started playing around with that. We we did it in 12 gauge. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I look back on and laugh. Um <laughs> That's like throwing two baseballs at a batter. Like you only need one. But uh, that fall, I used your hand loads. We had some consistency issues out of my seven millimeter Remington Magnum. <clears throat> at 100 yards, I'm like shooting quarters. And then we go out to 200, and I'm not on a 24 by 24 inch piece of paper. And we thought, what in the hell? So he kind of looks the gun over and everything. And then we used some of his hand loads uh, instead of the factory ammo that I had. And wow, at 300 yards, I could basically hit my fist. So I thought, well, that's what we use. And, And we took that to Wyoming and I killed my first pronghorn. So it's, it's been really neat. And then he, went into the 20 gauge side of things made us some 20 gauge uh nines did we use nines 
Yeah. That's what it felt yeah. like when it rained down on my head after you shot that bird. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a cool moment. I <laughs> am the champion yardage misjudger. And <laughs> I thought a bird was far, and it was more than far. And I shot a gobbler at 76 yards. And there's probably going to be people that are like, oh, this guy. I really suck at judging yardage, and I really don't care because that bird had our number, and I made well, the last. To, to be fair, it was in a wide open field, and there was an elevation change, which yeah. made it which made it harder to judge the yardage. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, I'm here to tell everybody I was there that day, and <laughs> I, 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 I am on the other side of the hill. And then when I was coming up, I could see the bird's head and I slowly brought my gun up and I got it. I like, I just got the scope to my eye and then I heard boom, whack. And then, and like, you could hear the pellets hitting the trees. And like, I, I want to be very clear in no way, shape or form is Chris like cross firing in front, like over my head or anything like that. It, it was out in front of me. We're talking probably 30, 40 yards ahead of me. That bird was deader than dead. Like when we, when we, when I ran up there and like you and I both ran up there about the same time, yep. that bird was deader than dead. No flop, no moving, yeah, we no couldn't nothing. Find his ass. We thought, we like, thought he ran off and then yeah. we found him piled up, like sitting in the exact same spot. Laying, laying on his back with his wings cupped, not cupped. even moving. Yep. And I thought, well, no damn wonder I didn't see him right away. Because normally you shoot a bird, you walk up, and it's like a tornado of feathers and wing beats and kicking and all that. This dude, 76 yards, and that bird mm. didn't move. Mm -hmm. So, it and I, I have shot birds well past that but now with a 20 gauge um i couldn't believe i heard the impact and i just couldn't believe the results honestly i mean you you hear about it but you really don't i really don't believe things very easily you know shooting nines right at a mm -hmm. turkey and then when you walk up and you look and you say Wow, that you know, that is like crazy to me. But I will say that's not something like our number one goal is to try to get the bird uber close so that way I can not hear him drumming even better. <laughs> I mean, I had, I had this I had this conversation with Bryce Hensley uh, at the expo last year. Oh, Bruce? And, yeah, Bruce Hensley. Bryce, yeah, Bruce Bryce. <laughs> Bryce Hensley um, at, at the expo last year. And uh, one of the reasons, you know, we, we, when we were talking about TSS, he goes, you know, I like the ability to, you know, if, if I ever needed to, to hit a bird farther out, but the sheer reality of, of what TSS brings anymore is just absolute knockdown power. Yeah. Um, you, you hit a bird and it doesn't move afterwards. And, and you know, I've never seen anything like it. You know, I tell the story all the time, Aaron, in the first, uh, 
you know, round of saddies fatties that you did for a lot of us. I, I, um, I was hunting in Kentucky and I had a bird come up, a uh, Jake and I shot it. And this was after you had, you had put the scope on my gun and everything like that. And I thought I had missed the bird. And I was like, how did, how did this happen again? Like I got a scope on this gun. How did I miss this bird? Well, then I, like, I get up and I'm kind of huffing, puffing. I look and I'm like, well, there's something laying there. And I go over and the bird isn't moving. I was like, the, the the bird is supposed to flop. That's how turkeys act after you shoot them. Is, right. it, is it they flop around on the ground and then you got to stand on their neck. So like I, I'm sitting there staring at this bird for probably a good like 30 seconds. And I like barely put my foot on its neck and then the flopping starts. And it is so bizarre how hard those pellets penetrate. Uh, they hit the bird, but how much penetration you get with regards to to killing a bird yeah. um, penetration and that and that gives you an idea of how much energy yeah mm-hmm. you know they they have you know i mean it, it's people people that aren't familiar with the tss uh the tungsten super shot it, it it's whenever you say that you're using nines for turkey hunting i mean it's if, if you're only used to you know like what we grew up on and what we started with you know copper plated lead it's 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 unspeakable you don't you don't use that nine shot is only used in you know in uh skeet trap sporting clays stuff mm-hmm. like that you don't use it for hunting yeah exactly you know in low in low brass you know you're not loading it in high brass um you know but to know that the energy and stuff that it is carrying because of the density of it uh that's you know equivalent to you know a five shot in copper plated lead mm-hmm. with two and a half times more pellets uh, it's it's nasty i mean it really is you know and if you give that added energy you know in those pellets well you know i mean we we could have a physics class about it to be honest but you know but you know, you guys were talking about, yeah, the, some of the distances, you know, with the 20 gauge and stuff, you know, it doesn't matter if it's coming out of a 410, a 20 or 12 gauge, you know, 1100 feet is 1100 feet per second. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, 1200 feet is 1200 feet per second, you know, and if it's nines in each one, the only thing that you're doing is by going to a 410 is you're just limiting the amount of pellets that you're sending. That, that's it. That's it. Now. At 18 grains per cc, a number nine shot is the equivalent. Uh, a number nine TSS is the equivalent to what in lead? Uh, pretty almost equivalent to a number five. Okay. Wow. So Seriously? Five, yeah. Yeah. It is um, 18, 18 grams per cc. Uh, it's two and a half times denser than lead. Wow. Yeah, that's that's insanity. So now you have number fives, but double the pellets. Right. People, I mean, a lot of people shoot sixes. So you have in between a five and a six, you know, a five and a half. Yeah. And you have double the pellets, basically, which is why a 410 is redonkulous still. I mean, that bird, I don't know how far that bird was that I shot with Bryce's ammo. Now I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, 
I got to one knee before that bird reacted to the shot. So, and it dropped like a sack of freaking potatoes. I'm, I'm interested to see, um, you know, my son's going hunting with me this, this year and I'm really excited to, to do the 410 and, and see knockdown power of that sucker. Just, just, just from, just from a general standpoint, I was, I was yeah. in a gun store yesterday, the other day trying to find 410 AMO, um, which I got, I'll tell the story about that here in a second. Uh, and a guy looked at me and goes, you're hunting turkeys with a 410. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I am. It's like you can do that with TSS. Go stand at a hundred mm-hmm. yards and let me shoot you in your face. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's see if you get off. Well, ex- exactly. Like, and and there, and there's there's a reality that um, a lot of well, w- when we when you shot that bird last year, Chris, when we went and ate lunch afterwards, a guy goes, "You killed a bird at seventy yards with a twenty gauge," and you go, "Yeah, with TSS." Um, and it, it 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 is it is so. It creates so much of a dissonance in people's heads um, with with the lower um, chambered gun and yeah. being able to hunt some of these things. And, you know, we, we've talked about this. The first turkey I ever shot was with a 10 gate, a 10 gauge with Winchester double X's. <laughs> um, you, so I want to ask this. Can you shoot? Can you make a 10 gauge TSS shell? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Holly. Yeah, you What's you that? can you can make you can make anything. Yeah, I mean you can make a three and a half inch ten gauge. You know, you're not Holly. going like the price of. It. I was gonna say I probably wouldn't like the price of it. That, that's like a one time thing. Yeah, it's like thirteen dollar yeah. shells. I have yeah. to mortgage my house for a shell. Yeah, and really? and literally, I mean, to get into a little bit of the you know the numbers in you know, in building, you know, uh, the shells, literally the tungsten is 90, probably 98 and a half percent of the cost of the ammo. It, it, mm-hmm. it is, you know, I mean, you can, you can get hauls in bulk, you can get wads in bulk, you can get, you know, your, your buffer and everything else, you know, gunpowder in bulk, uh, tungsten, it doesn't matter if you buy it in bulk, you're still paying for it. Yeah. So, and it's not cheap. <laughs> no, no, it's so, not. You know, a, a lot of people, a lot of, and a lot of people, you know, I, just honestly, I mean, they don't, they don't understand that. You know, I, it's tungst. It's an extremely hard, and it, and it's coming from overseas. It's, <clears throat> it's not made in the United States. It's coming from overseas. Uh, you know, so you have importers, you have importing fees and stuff like that. You know, which obviously that's that's being passed down to the consumer. Um, but it, yeah, it's. I, I don't care how you look at it. It's not cheap. The only way that you can make it cheaper is by buying it in bulk. So, well, and there's there's a reality with tungsten in general. Um, you know, I th- I I want to say I read something at some point that uh, I want to say like ninety five percent of the lead that is used in shotgun shells in the United States is from old car batteries or from lead cores and, and recycled car batteries. Wow. So, yeah. So, so you're getting, you're getting recycled stuff in order to make <clears throat> most of your typical shotgun shells. Whereas if you're, you know, you're running bismuth or you're running TSS mm-hmm. through something that that's having <clears throat> to be mined out, that's having to be processed and there's not a recycling factor to it. Right. The other, the other part <clears throat> to kind of look at this, also is is that you know i know there's been a real big push lately f- to try to get 
you know, guys shooting away from lead, lead, lead bullets and, or, you know, lead shot in general, you're going to pay more for this. But, you know, if, if you're truly going to like put your money where your mouth is on some of this stuff and you say like, oh, you know, I want to, you know, still do, do that kind of stuff and be, you know, a, you know, a certain level of conservationist, this is your way to go because it's, you know, you're, you, you're, you're not using copper plated lead like you like you did with nitro turkeys or double X's or whatever. And there's plenty of guys who still use them, you know, God love them, you know, good for them. Um, I'll never touch a nitro turkey again in my life ever, ever. Well, imagine um, if you, if you did this with waterfowl, right? Oh, I mean, good Lord. You, you try to explain it to people and it's nearly impossible, but the people that use steel, um, you shoot a duck, or a goose two or three times before the damn thing dies. You know, you have some of them that get away and they swim under there and get caught in some roots or, you know, hang on to something and get stuck or whatever. And you lose your birds when, I mean, when you shoot two or three shells at a time, well, you're really not spending that much of a different amount of money when you're shooting it with TSS and, we all know that you're going to take a four ten and down a goose at fifty or sixty yards. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying the capabilities. It's capable. Yeah. Yeah. Far mm-hmm. beyond the freaking steel. I mean, they're far beyond lead, and yeah. steel is terrible. What is it like seven grains per cc? Uh, not even that. No. And so <clears throat> you're, you're shooting. You're shooting a damn cannon at those things i mean it's loud and kicks the shit out of you and then you got to shoot a tiny ass little merganser or something again just to <laughs> die well and you you know I, I i i blame dnr a little bit for this because oh. I, I will hold, hold on and i i've got, I've got a good dad was a dnr guy calm down well but i, I mean, <laughs> That is correct. He was not a wildlife <laughs> officer like you claimed in the last podcast. Um, uh, no, I, I do blame DNR a little bit for that because, you know, in, in, you know, the olden days when you switched over from lead to steel, DNR and, fe- and like federal wildlife um, would have classes on how to shoot and lead ducks with steel and all that kind of stuff. And then funding dries up and then you don't do it. So you have people that go and say like, well, I'm going to try TSS or I'm going to try bismuth. And then they complain about not being able to hit birds. So then they go back to steel. And there's a reality there that there's a huge learning curve when you're trying to go after a duck or some type of waterfall waterfowl with that. And then you don't, you, you say like, oh, well, I'm not hitting as many birds, so I'm going back to steel. Well, it's like, well, no, it's just like you're not utilizing the equipment correctly. Um, if you utilize the equipment correctly, you alleviate a lot of these issues. But that also goes back to you have to practice with your weapon. You have to go mm-hmm. out and shoot skeet with it. And a lot of guys won't go and do that kind of stuff, which is, they you know. can't afford to practice with their weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, if, if you're not very privilege whoops there it is there's the vodka if you're not very (laughs) and have a guy like aaron in your life it's expensive you're paying a shitload of money 
for TSA. Yeah. So, I mean, another point to all this that you could you could potentially make. I mean, I mean, you're making with with the TSS, you're you're creating a much more efficient load. Yeah. And along with that, you could make the argument as far as you're making a much more ethical load. Yeah. To, humane. To, Absolutely. Yeah. More humane, Absolutely. more SQ. Hundred percent. I said ethical. Yes, Eth you did. <laughs> efficacious. Is that the word we're looking for? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> more efficacious. How, how did the vodka transfer from uh, Batavia to Northern I'm, Kentucky? I am drinking the Wilkate special here. Oh, White Claws. Because, nice. No, no. Well, <laughs> these, these are Michelob Ultra Seltzers, not the White Claws. <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> I figured I'd, I'd get some flavored water because we have our road trip tomorrow. Ah, uh, okay. I, I mean, Josh, you bring up a good point. Like, I think that there's a real reality there, especially from a, cons a conservation standpoint, that you're making a more efficacious load. Yep. And yes, is it more <laughs> is it more expensive? But what 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 is the goal? Is is the goal to be an ethical, humane hunter? Where if you shoot an animal, it's gonna go down the first time, or am I gonna sling? three and four you know steel shots at a water at some type of waterfowl and hope it goes down <clears throat> I mean, we've all been out in a duck blind before i'm pretty sure josh i don't know you like i, I don't mean this in a bad way <clears throat> like you don't usually typically use guns have you ever been in a waterfowl blind i have not chris chris invited you know me to go yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. chris invited me to go duck hunting Oh, it was either 2019 or 2020, and we we never ended up going. So I have, I have not been. I mean, so like if you ever go on a waterfowl hunt, you'll see guys just rack through rounds, and it's, yeah, oh yeah, it it's you know it's like going on a dove hunt. Dove hunting same way, just slamming rounds into the gun and waiting for the next group to pass. And like, don't get me wrong, that's that's part of duck hunting culture. It's part of dove hunting culture. But if I can only like if I if I can hit my birds and use half the amount of shells, one I and would, done. I would mm -hmm. love I would love that, especially with a goose or something like that. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> there, there's 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 plenty of situations where you go in and you you plan on hunting geese, whether it's snow Canada or whatever other type of geese that there are. But you know, one shell versus two or three. I mean. It, it's a no-brainer. Duck right. hunters are the worst <clears throat> shot of any group of people. It literally sounds like the fucking British are coming when they let loose. <laughs> I used to get so depressed when I would hear those guys turn it loose like, oh, well, now all the ducks in Ohio are dead. And you go walk up to them and they have one duck or they have zero ducks and you're like, Hey, why aren't you hitting anything? <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'd give anything. Some of those guys are old friends and everything that I'm referring to. But uh, I remember I pushed some wood ducks to some guys. And I mean, I'm pretty sure I heard like nine shots. And when you hear nine shots go off and like, three or four seconds it sounds like the woods got torn apart yeah and then yeah. you walk down and they have zero ducks 
and you're you're creek hunting. You're not shooting over a giant lake where they're like 60 yards out. They're creek hunting and they're taking 20 and 30 yard shots and even less. And you think, what the hell are you doing? It would be so cool. Uh, it, it won't happen, but it'd be funny to take a 410 in front of those guys and just pop shot ducks left and right. Just be like, yep, it's a single shot. My six-year-old can use it, but yeah, I killed my limit in Woody's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know the from a manufacturing side you know the that's the that's the big thing that you know i'm more kind of faced with you know i mean we we know the how lethal tss is but we also know the cost of it you know i mean we we know the tss loads for turkey is they're not cheap and no they're not you know and knowing how you know it, turkey hunting you're you're hunting one bird usually one shot maybe a follow-up unless you're rick cates uh that is correct <laughs> that is a true statement i just want to say that you don't know what it feels like until you think he shot six rounds of TSS. tss. I'm, sorry, rick. I'm sorry buddy i threw you under the bus no i i dude like like pl plain and simple um i yeah i unloaded on that bird because i did like sh as chris yelled shoot until it's dead mm -hmm. um <clears throat> uh and then he said wow i'm glad i just spent 70 dollars for you to kill a jake i said what are you talking about <laughs> because i you shot all tss i'm like no i shot one round of tss and the rest were long beards he goes Oh, thank God. <laughs> like, I think he was more relieved that mm -hmm. I didn't shoot all the TSS versus me uh, getting that Jake. I thought um, you dumped a bunch of high dollar metal <clears throat> into that turkey. No, I, I yeah. will say this. I will say this. Since I have switched, uh, but also I, I can credit Aaron with this. Since, since I switched over to TSS, but also since I started using a red dot, and I think I talked about this either with Shane Simpson, or I talked about this with uh, with Derek Craig. <clears throat> the red the red dot has been helpful. Um, like there there's there's no other thing that I think uh, has been more helpful for me as a turkey hunter as having that ability. Just just and you know whether it's red or green, just to put that little dot right where it needs to go <clears throat> and being able to to knock down a bird. I have, I think I've only shot, I'm trying to think, I've shot one, two, three, four birds now with TSS, and only one of those birds I had to shoot twice, and that was because, that was that was a turkey drive day at Bruce's house, um, where the bird ran up the hill. Your TSS put a hole through the bird, literally through the bird. Um, and then I, I shot it in the head with an, with an extra long beard that I had, but like, you know, to, to me, you know, there, there's certain equipment that, that is like, it, it's, it's a non-starter anymore. You see guns now come like, equipped for shooting TSS for a reason. You see guns mm -hmm. come with a red dot on them for a reason now. And it, it's, right. it's just kind of like a no brainer anymore. Yep. You know, in the, 
the thing, you know, we were talking about waterfowl, you know, the, which is a totally different ball game from, you know, I mean, you guys know if I mean from Turkey hunting, you're not, you're not singling out a single bird, single shot, you know, I mean, you, you could easily go through a box of ammo, you know, thinking about that with TSS, that, that will make any man's ass pucker. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, that's the reality of it. Uh, especially from a manufacturing standpoint, how can you utilize the benefits of TSS in the waterfowl world, you know, without it being astronomically priced? Uh, and the good thing is, is, you know, on the market, there is other options, you know, tungsten core options mm-hmm. uh, that gives you somewhat of the benefit of tungsten, but also, you know, kind of the, you know, eases, you know, it's a little easier on the pocketbook, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in weights that are still, you know, you're still talking anywhere between 10 to 12 uh, grains per cc which is still a lot heavier than lead uh, and still shot. So you can make a more efficient, you know, cost efficient round, you know, for waterfowl and still have a lot better knockdown power, even more than bismuth. Uh, Bismuth is actually, I mean, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good option, but it is, uh, from a non-toxic standpoint, um, it's one of the lowest weights that mm-hmm. is legal, mm. you know? So, I mean, yeah. Uh, so you need to keep that in mind as well. I mean, it, it is a good option. Do I think that it's a better option than steel? Yeah, I, I, I do. What's the weight? Uh, I'm sorry. What's the weight on it? It is, don't quote me on this. I'm wanting to say bismuth is around... I think nine. Uh, I think that's, yeah. Okay. Eight, eight to nine. Okay. Um, don't quote me on that though, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. But if you get into some of the templated, uh, some of the templated uh, tungsten um, heavy shot, if you guys mm-hmm. remember, you remember heavy shot. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that was a big thing, you know, I mean, every, you know, to where you, you finally had an option to go from, you know, copper plated lead, you know, turkey loads to this heavy shot. And I remember, man, I, I thought that that was the best thing since freaking sliced bread, you know, I mean, that it, it, yeah, I remember rolling my first bird over, you know, at 40 yards, you know, with heavy shot. And I'm like, this is amazing, you know, and, and to think that TSS is even, I mean, one and a half you know one and three quarter times more than that you know so that gives you an idea of how much more advanced the you know the tungsten super shot is you know and to be able to get that into a waterfowl load i i really think that it's a game changer you know i mean and there's you know there's some companies that out there that are that are given uh that option not there's not many uh there's not many out there but that's that's one of the things that, you know, I, I'm personally going to be working on, you know, once turkey season is over, is I really want to roll that out onto the market and give, you know, you know, give the people a viable option, uh, a much better lethal option for waterfowl. Nice. nice. I'm excited for that. I, I am too. I am too. So uh, I need to get my stamp this year. And do some waterfowl on me. Stamps, uh, 
Yes. <laughs> your federal stamp and your state stamp. <clears throat> Plural. Oh, Plural. Wetlands habitat stamp. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit different. You're well, yeah, you're not gonna be living in Kentucky much longer, so that's and gonna create no. also <laughs> must do your hip certification, sir. Yes. Yeah. So this will yeah, this is my last year being able to buy a uh, resident license and tags. Josh, that brings up an excellent point uh, because I've I've moved around uh, over the years before you no longer become a Kentucky resident by your lifetime. They don't offer it, Aaron. Ah! I've been saying this. <laughs> they do so for I've, seniors. They do for seniors, but yeah. not for Josh's. See, I'd be be in the game. I'd be in the game. You'd be in the game, Aaron. (laughs) So before I moved on your advice, Aaron, before I moved here to Kentucky, I did buy my Ohio lifetime license. Nice. Nice. This is is what my like third year of having my Ohio lifetime license. I've been like waiting. I'm like, come on, Kentucky, do the same thing because I'm going to move back at some point. I I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Kentucky, I don't think will. It's 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 gonna take it's gonna take a big push for them to do that. Just 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 from a standpoint of, I I think, and people can tell me I'm wrong or whatever, and you can write into the show fueled by the outdoors uh, at <laughs> gmail.com. Uh, say something to us. Um, I think that there's a larger hunting culture in Kentucky. They know it. That's why they do the sportsman's license down here because they know they can sell a ton of sportsman's yeah. licenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, I mean, as an in-state resident, you, it, it's a no brainer. It's under a hundred oh. bucks. I get all my tags, all my fishing licenses and stuff. It, it's silly. And it's, you know, it's such a good deal. Like there's no yeah. reason not to get it if you live in the state. Yes. Right. I think you have the best DNR probably close to in the eastern United States in Kentucky. They, really? they just if they you do a lot of Emory, things, right? <laughs> Emory hates Kentucky's DNR. Name somebody Emory likes. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking, Screw Jacob. That, Just joking, who's the, Jacob. Who's the guy we don't like? That damn Dieter. Oh, Dieter. Eric. I, well, we don't say his name. He'll he'll bring out a lawsuit. He does that oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> How many lawsuits uh, he does want? <laughs> <laughs> he was a skater boy. Oh my gosh. So uh no, I, I, I would agree. Kentucky DNR does a lot of stuff right. They do. Um we've had Pierce on here the control burn aspect that they do with stuff. Mm-hmm. They just, well, I mean, my fi- my closing point, I'll just say it now. Check your eggs this year, people, because if you're coming to Kentucky to hunt birds, laws have changed for the better. I mean, in my, in my opinion, I think, Chris, you would agree with this, <clears throat> for the better. Uh, you're only allowed one bird per WMA. You're allowed two birds in the state. Mm-hmm. You're allowed one bird uh, per WMA if you're coming and hunting hunting. um uh, public land in the state of Kentucky that does not include Daniel Boone National Forest. Daniel Boone's, uh, I mean, it's a national forest, so it does not fall under a WMA standard there. So it is, it's a, it's a different okay. aspect there. That's, that's <clears throat> good. So I think so. 
I don't think that it's fair that private land people should be able to get, you know, two birds and the pores on public like us get one. But I will say anything going in the favor of the wild turkey is a step in the right direction. And you can always tell who actually cares about the birds because anybody that I know and respect as a very avid turkey hunter, they don't shoot bearded hens and they love one bird states. They know what a one bird state does. They know what no bait states are good which, for. Which, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, which the other point that I was getting ready to bring up is <clears throat> Kentucky is no baiting between March 1st and July 31st now. So, uh, you know, th this, this, that, that does affect, I think, a lot of guys who will typically go and dump a bag of corn to try to take some type of inventory or get some type of thing going. Uh, you know, through June and in, going into deer season because it starts in September. This it's only right allows uh, uh, you are not. So I'm sorry, you are not allowed to feed wildlife. Is is the statement? So no mineral. I believe it says no feeding wildlife. I would put min. I mean, we we've had DNR officers on this on this podcast before who said it is normally up to the DNR's officer discretion. I would seriously talk to your local DNR officer about what the reality of putting mineral down is at this point, because that is a supplement. Now, mm -hmm. if you plant a food plot, that's different. That's not technically feeding wildlife. Uh, well, for for anyone for anyone who's kept up with with any type of news regarding this stuff in Kentucky, we had a large kill off of songbirds as well. Uh, at, uh, this past year and a lot of it had to do with feedings at bird feeders they, yeah. there was a point there was a point last year where they said hey you need to pull down bird feeders you need to bleach them you need to get every you need to make sure that there's no things because people were fine i found three in my yard i don't have bird feeders but i found three dead like they said you'll find white stuff around their eyes all this kind of stuff found them in my yard uh it's some type of avian issue they're trying to prevent this stuff from getting worse than what it is. So they've put in, you know, certain things where you're not allowed to feed wildlife, mainly due to the fact that people bait for deer and they're trying to disperse that also from, I think, some of the <clears throat> constant issues, like we said, moldy corn, killing poults, you know, deer getting in there and being in a common area. We now have CWD close to this state. They don't want that getting spread at all. You, you got to protect the elk herd. Like I, I, I hate, I hate to put it in that per, that kind of uh, way, but that that's a lot of what I think you're seeing right now is you know their DNR stepping up and saying like, hey, we want to be two to three years ahead of this. We don't want to be. And I again, I love Ohio DNR. I've got nothing bad to say about them, but there was a serious issue when you're letting people your bird numbers are dropping. And then you start, you're, you're still saying, we'll take birds in the fall. We'll still take two birds in the spring. Let's you need shoot to hens. You know, yeah. I mean, don't, you know, like <laughs> shoot, shooting hens in the fall or, you know, I know this, I know this made a lot of, a lot of deer hunters angry when they said, sorry, no more does off public land for second gun. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and, and I, and I get that. I, I really, really do. But guess what happened after three years of that deer numbers rebounded. 
like they they, they, they they shot through the roof and you can't tell me that there's not some type of interaction with that where you're not shooting does late season when they're pregnant off of off of uh off of wmas and you know you you end up with higher numbers it it, it, yeah. it just it just makes sense so the, what what are you what are your guys' thoughts on you know, the states and their regulations for Turkey? Do you guys think that the majority of the states are going to start trending and kind of scaling back? Yes, I think I they're going to have to. I, I think I think fall, um, especially, uh, you know, Kentucky's still a four bird state in the fall, which I just feel like is absolutely ridiculous. It's 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 silly. Um, you're allowed three hens and one gobbler which is just the most ridiculous thing ever. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. I know you're looking at me weird right now. You're allowed one gobbler, three hens in the fall. So you're, you're practically, Jeez, so. yeah, wow. you're allowed. Yeah. So you're allowed to, you're allowed. If you are a resident of Kentucky, you're allowed and you have, you hunt private land. Let's just say you, you go about it that way. You're allowed six birds a year and one, two, three of them have to be gobblers but three of them can be hens. And I don't know if it's some weird offset that they think in their head, like it's going to balance out in the fall. But in you know, in reality, you want to keep those hens around for the following breeding season at that point. You know, there that's, that, that's pretty surprising. Um, is there yeah. any other states that are even comparable to that? Uh ne- <clears throat> Nebraska is is are they are they still a ne- three, ne- Nebraska? State? No, no, Nebraska this year, as a matter of fact, I just found out last week, Nebraska dropped from three to two birds mm-hmm. this year. What what state am I thinking of where there's a ton of birds? Probably somewhere south. There's- Alabama. It's it's a five-bird state. Alabama where no one Come can kill five. turkeys except, from, except <clears throat> for people from Alabama who tag out on five birds. <laughs> yeah. There's no birds in Alabama, but if you find them, you can shoot six. <laughs> kind of flock. They're so hard to it. hunt. Look at all five that I killed. Oh. Uh, like you know, the, I, I think I think that those. I think that that's the only state. I don't know about anything out west, really. I'm only thinking of easterns. I'm not thinking about Rios or Osceolas or um, <clears throat> Miriams or anything like that. But certainly for easterns, I want to say Kentucky is one of the only other states that still allows for that type of harvest in the fall. And to me that that is the immediate cut line where, where you should go for it. Um, yeah. I, I really, I seriously didn't know that that's, that's probably the highest fall count that, that I've heard of. So stupid. Yeah, oh man. I mean, good Lord. Well, and it, you know, if you know anything about Turkey behavior, like what do turkeys do in the fall? They'll flock up together. So it's not like they're hard to like. If you find a flock of turkeys, you know where they're going to be at. I was just thinking of that, like, like how exciting it is when you know nothing about turkeys, and you go from your tree stand, and literally all the poults line up single file and run to you, like sprinting to you. And now, as you know, a more I guess a more seasoned turkey hunter. I think, man, I'm literally about to kill a bunch of babies. Like, why? What? What have I proven? Or uh, and here's the deal: if you're killing them for food, cool. But it's deer season. Go kill a deer. I mean, so, <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. Don't say and it. I'm gonna say <laughs> it. Um, the state record 
turkey in Kentucky was killed on a deer hunt in the fall. Well, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's bigger in the fall. Seven beards. Um, Yeah. Seven beers. (laughs) No, no. Good Lord. No. Seven beards. um, And it was something I want to say it was like pushing 30 pounds or something like that. It was like, it it, it had to look like a tank walking through the middle of this guy's field. It was um, eating on corn piles, is what it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably killed off of corn pile. It wasn't. It it, it actually wasn't. They they. You were there. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> Kentucky Field did a did a thing on the guy and went out. Did it? They're not going to do a whole a whole expose on this guy if he it was you know, it killed was, over a corn pile. Wasn't that just a couple of years ago? It was yeah. It was, it was just a few years ago. Huge bird. I remember that bird. Yeah, I'm transitioning between corn piles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but I don't ever really believe that people kill gobblers. Uh, that like I don't know, gobblers are tough to kill when they're stupid over hens. Number one ticket during turkey season. Oh. Absolutely. Number one, number one ticket during turkey season, uh, and and it, it it's a, you know, you talk to any DNR officer in most states, and they'll and you say, "What'd you write a ticket for today?" And they say, "Hunting turkeys over bait," almost every single time. It's it's not, it's not, a, it's not uh killing too many. It's not killing a hen instead of a gobbler. It's not taking two gobblers in one day. It's killing the turkey over bait, and you know. For for as much as people say that they're a smart bird, and they really are, they have pea brains, but they're really they're really smart too because they're paranoid. But 75% of the nest doesn't survive, 75% of the clutch doesn't survive. So you're left with a few birds. And then in the spring, those birds become absolutely idiots, and then they go and eat anything that they can find that is in a open pasture, you know, you know, it's, it's part of what I love about them, but it's part of what I hate about them at the same time. I'm the same way. (laughs) So it's all, all I, all I can think about is it's going to be a real fun spring smacking a gobbler with a saddie's fatty. And I'll, I'll be very honest about this. Uh, I, I'm not even excited for myself to kill a bird. I'm more excited about my son <clears throat> getting the opportunity to kill a bird. Amen, and, buddy. Me too. And, and, and have, and having, uh, you know, a friend like you, Aaron, you know, being able to, you know, m- you know, make loads and that kind of stuff. And, you know, him, you know, being able to share that experience that way too, is just, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very hopeful that this is, this is one of those experiences that he's going to remember, you know, I know I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, regardless mm-hmm. if he kills a bird or not, but you know, <clears throat> being able to kill it with something that my, my, my friend made too, is just, you know, would be makes me on top of the world. Same, same here, man. Um, you know, I, I, and I can't express this enough. I, I love doing this. I really do. Uh, you know, I mean, like today, I, I come home from a hectic day. Uh, Murphy's Law hit me left and right all day today. Uh, it was a hell of a day at work. But you know what? Doing this is my 
is my downtime. I mean, it really is. It doesn't feel like work to me. And that's when I know that this is what I should be doing. Uh, you know, I come home every day and I do something. I, you know, whether it's loading ammo, whether it's working on a gun, you know, whatever it is. And in order for me to be able to do that, you know, um, I have to give you guys credit. You know, I think you guys put more, more belief in me than what I have in myself. And I owe that, and I owe that to you guys because I don't know whether or not that I'd be making this leap, uh, into the commercial market, getting my license, you know, uh, all of that, all of the fun stuff that goes with it, uh, that I have bitched and complained about over the years and, <laughs> and given myself a personal reason not to, uh, I'm doing it now. And for you guys, I, I appreciate that. So it's time for me to step out of my comfort zone again, like how I spoke about earlier and it's, it's time to get shit done. Hell yeah, man. I think, I think that's a good, good point to kind of go out on. So Chris, do you want to ask your, Oh, wait, Josh, Josh has, Josh raised his hand. So I want to hit on something that we haven't hit on. And I think the listeners should know why honey barbecue Fritos aren't a good snack. (laughs) I think he was going to hit on me. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Aaron, say the official name of your business. Yes. And what all you work on, not just not just the ammo, but all encompassing what your what your company does. No, I, I appreciate that. Uh my LLC is Saddie's LLC. Um, you know, uh right now uh it's it's kind of funny because you you guys created you guys really created the brand. Uh you guys came up with a name and it stuck. Uh, Saddies Fatties. Um, you know, <laughs> why do I, people have dicks on their ammo? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, I cannot wait till waterfowl season whenever the guys are in the duck blinds and they pull out ammunition with Lord knows what on the shelves. <laughs> uh, because it, it it's going to be it's going to be Saddies uh, Saddies LLC um, for you know and I didn't touch on this but the cool thing about it is is um, you know it, we are family owned and operated um, you know it's literally every single load um, you know and I tell you what come hell or high water I want to keep it as long as I can this way. Every single shell that is loaded is loaded by hand. It's not loaded by a machine. It's not loaded. It is hand measured. It is hand calculated. It is hand crimped. Um, it, you name it. And and I like that. You know, uh, my, you know, you guys know Asher. You know, for those of you who don't, he's my 11-year-old son. Uh he is right there with me. Uh, he fin, you know, he, I'm walking him through the steps. I can only imagine what his knowledge is going to be by the time he's an adult, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if he keeps, if he keeps with it and I know that he will, because every day he asks me, Hey dad, are we, are we loading? Are we loading? Yeah, we are, bud. You know, what are <laughs> we loading today? And I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, so we're family owned, family operated, uh, and mark my word, we always will be. 
Um, but we're starting off with ammunition, Saddies Fatties, uh, thanks to you guys. Uh, and that is going to be that is going to be on the that is going to be on the signs, that is going to be on the logos, that's going to be on the website that's going to be coming out uh whenever we get the almighty blessing from the ATF and hopefully have my interview and they give me the blessing to hey, you know, get the ball rolling. Uh, you'll, you'll see it. And the cool thing about it is, is, you know, my family, uh, my wife is a CNC machinist. My son is a CNC machinist. Uh, and as we get into, you know, uh, I will provide general gunsmithing, uh, you know, uh, services, uh, and then once we get, uh, once we get a, our own, you know, separate building built and we're able to start putting machines inside a building, uh, it's going to be family owned and operated and we are going to start offering additional, additional things, uh, to the, to the public and to the industry. And it, it's going to be, it's going to be an open door and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Awesome, man. You know, awesome. you talk about Asher. And I, I have to bring up a couple years ago when you got him into the deer hunting side of things. Yeah. A little heavier. I, I remember you take it, you dragging him through the mountains of West Virginia. And mm -hmm. he's got gym shoes on or something, feet are soaked. And, um, you know, it's a little colder and you guys rolled a bird. But I remember. Um, I remember going hunting with you guys um, and seeing the passion that he shares for hunting. He's ate up. He is. I remember being that little boy. I remember when we went to a certain place where Rick almost got lost and died. And we didn't see any deer, and I was really pissed. So I wanted Asher to kill a deer, and I remember, you know, our little moment we got to share uh, when he got his first deer. But it's going to be cool to watch him grow and take this thing over as a young man and really blossom. So it's it's very neat to have you know, been a part of the start of all this and see it <clears throat> grow. And then like with no effort, we see people asking and, and everything. And it's just, I don't know. It's really cool. I, um, I feel very blessed to be a part of this. You know, and I, I appreciate that. I mean, because it, it, it goes back to you guys pushing me back out of my comfort level to take this to the next level. And I'll be honest, I don't know whether or not that I would be doing that if it wasn't for you guys. Uh, you know, I, you know, I would probably continue to be content uh, being a, you know, a hobby gunsmith, a hobby reloader, you know, taking care of my friends and stuff like that. But you, you guys see an opportunity, you know, and you, you guys, you guys see what I have to offer. And I, I appreciate that. I really do. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's time for me to really focus on, 
you know, on my passion. It, it is. You, you guys yeah. know over the years mm-hmm. I've sacrificed, you know, my time in the field, you know, to be able to, you know, run a, a football program, uh, you know, that chewed, that chewed up a lot of time. Uh, but now I have the opportunity to bring, you know, Asher along with me uh, at the ground level to start a company, to start a business uh, that, I'm, hell, he's equally as passionate in as I am. And I know that he'll be right there beside me. I know that my wife will be right there beside me. I know that my son, both of my sons will be right there beside me. I know every single one of my family members will be right there beside me as, as we continue to grow. And I could not ask for anything more. Hell yeah. To to me, to me, that is a dream. And I want to throw this out there. Um, Aaron can build guns very well. I've been fortunate enough to use a 450 Bushmaster in an AR platform that he built. And I watched his son take his first deer with that gun. He laid it down. I shot. I free-handed. Probably one of the coolest hunting experiences of my life. It was a damn shot. It was a damn doe. I remember there were four of us, and I shot this doe freehand at 154 yards and the other gentleman was like oh i heard impact you got her and i'm like yeah okay you know i probably missed bigger and shit and sure enough you know as i'm like jacking around or whatever doing something i forget what um i think i was on my way to get a flashlight or something and you guys went down and i think she piled up like 30 yards in the woods yeah she wasn't far and then another doe was at 80 yards. Again, a freehand shot. Absolutely annihilated that deer. Blood everywhere. The 450 is really a... That round is so tough on deer. And I hate that I didn't get to shoot a deer with my 350 this year that you built me. But I did shoot two coyotes with it. And... They both laid down, even though those are a lot smaller of an animal, but still kind of cool. So, yeah. Um, and hey, and, and I tell you what, I, I think what, you know, maybe a lot of people don't realize is, is that I enjoy doing what I'm doing and I've enjoyed doing, you know, what I do for you guys, you know, as friends and to take it to the next level, to be able to see, you know, in the future, so many people have the same opportunities that you guys have. That's just as good as me taking, you know, a deer, a turkey, myself, you know, to see a picture, you know, of a spent, you know, shell, Sadie's fatty shell, you know, beside a turkey, to see the 450 leaning up against the deer, you know, to see, you know, uh, you know, a custom rifle that I make leaning you know leaning up on an animal that's that's why i do it mm-hmm. you know i mean that's uh, to, to me it's just it's just as I, I enjoy that just as much as taking taking an animal myself i remember how excited you were when i shot that bird in 2020 and had oh. like perfect footage of it getting it's Good <laughs> yeah dusted absolutely dusted. <laughs> You know, so that I, I can't, 
I can't wait to see what this year really brings, you know, one, you know, once we get all the, you know, the legality of everything, you know, the, the steps that I need to take to be able to get everything set in place. Uh, I know the ball, you know, thankfully to you guys, uh, the platform of fuel by the outdoors, um, you know, I can't thank you guys enough. I really can't. Um, you know, one for having the faith in me and for giving me the opportunity to be able to pursue my dreams. So thank you guys. You're welcome, welcome. man. And we appreciate you a whole lot, man. This was literally all by accident. Like we're just, yeah, it was, wasn't it? (laughs) We're literally playing together, just trying to go kill some birds and deer. Yeah, right. Uh, figured we'd start a Facebook page and then, or a group. I should probably call it the right thing. Um, then we Mark did. Mark Zuckerberg might might sleep sneak up on you in your sleep. Well, yeah, I will call him his name that I've <laughs> um, for legal purposes. <laughs> Thank but, you. Uh, yeah, I. It's crazy to think that we all got together and we thought, oh man, you know, it's going to be cool when we're. We're doing this, you know, whatever. And now we have a trade show. That's really cool. Um, we're going to have really, really cool people speaking at that trade show. So it's just, it's <clears throat> easy to think that five or six years ago. Who would have thought? It, yeah. Right. Exactly. I don't know in your faces if you would have told me this. And and we're only, you know, six years in. Right. Imagine six years from now. I don't want to do that though, because yeah, no. we're literally graduating and I can't handle that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm looking forward to the same thing, man. I I really am. You know, I mean, I you know, I'm really hoping you know and i'll i'll lift it in prayer that you know six years from now we're we're talking about the same thing with you know with saddies so absolutely all righty uh chris do you want to ask your final question i'm scared to death nobody learns anything um <laughs> I'm, I'm literally finding out that everybody's the same year after year. It's kind you know. of a scary question when you think about it. When when you when you actively ask it to somebody and they're not expecting it, though, I feel I should like. probably uh, preface it like yeah, two people, two people, Jesus, two weeks in advance <laughs> before I ask it. But let's let's hit Aaron from yeah. the blind side yes Aaron, josh is happily married <laughs> you, you think that <laughs> you tried to marry me the other day <laughs> oh, darn boy um aaron what is your favorite thing that you learned this year Ooh, damn it, when it comes to hunting <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Whew. Yeah. Uh, J- Jen was just giving me a very scared look. <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaning of life, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, Confucius say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
I, I tell you what, on honestly, and I don't know if it's really this year because you guys know that I my my time in the woods this year was very limited. Uh, you guys probably don't even know this. I never even made it up into a tree this uh, this past year. And uh, what I learned was is I know that it's more about it's more about my boy than it is me. Uh, you know, I, I've. I think uh, this past, you know, this last year and the year before, um, you know, whenever I go out, I'd much rather have him beside me than me going out on my own and, and going out on a hunt myself. Um, I'd much rather, you know, you know, pump him full of information and knowledge and see, you know, see what he does with it than me going out and, you know, dropping a deer for the freezer. I'd much rather him be behind the gun, uh, be behind the bow and, you know, share that experience with him. So, uh, I know this year, you know, now that my responsibilities of, you know, of running a football, football organization is, is over, uh, that's going to be my goal. You know, I mean, my, my goal is going to be to get him out there and, you know, really sharing that experience a hell of a lot more than what I have in the past couple of years. So awesome, man. Oh, yeah. I like it. All right. Well, folks, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. We've been joined by Josh Luck and Aaron Satterfield of Saddies LLC tonight. Guys, thanks for stopping by and talking with us. We'll talk at you later. Bye. See you. See ya. Yeah.